Hannah's going to read God's word to us now, and we're going to find that in Galatians, in the Bible, New Testament, Galatians 6, and we're reading from verses 1 to 10. And then Paul is going to come and uh, speak to us about that passage as well. Thank you, Hannah. So Galatians chapter 6, starting at verse 1, and it's entitled, Doing Good to All. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfil the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else, for each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Thank you, Hannah. Come and join us, and uh, we'll pray for him as he, as he comes to the stage. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we've been able to open it and read it this morning. We pray for Paul as he speaks to us, Lord, that you would speak through him into our lives to make a difference, to make a change. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning to you all. It's quite surreal being back here in the church building but uh, we do as Alan said look forward to that day when we can all come back and worship together my thanks go to Alan and Sally and Hannah and uh, technical team for all that they're doing to ensure that you receive this service in my teenage years I used to love reading escape stories the Great Escape, Papillon, Escape from Alcatraz. Of course, they've all been turned into films. And The Great Escape, I think, is still my favorite. Hardly a Christmas goes by when it's not shown on TV. And I'm still urging Steve McQueen on that motorbike to escape from those Germans who are pursuing him. But in the end, he gets captured. Then, of course, there's Nelson Mandela. He wrote a book called Long Walk to Freedom. In it, he talked about how he was set free after 27 years in prison. It's a long book, 630-odd pages. I think I managed to get through about 30% of it. I've got a personal fascination with people going to incredible lengths in order to escape and to taste freedom from captivity. 
I guess in the last few months, the physical freedom of many people across the world has been curtailed. Some have described their experiences akin to being imprisoned in their own homes. Galatians is all about escaping, escaping legalism and experiencing physical, sorry, spiritual freedom. If you're a true believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Paul clearly states in Galatians 5 verse 1 that you were set free in Christ. You were set free from the punishment that your sins and my sins deserve. Set free from the possibility of being shut out from the presence of God forever. Set free from living a wasted life. And in the Lord's manifesto in Luke 4, we read the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to claim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. And in John chapter 8, that chapter where that woman is caught in adultery, Jesus says to her, go and sin no more. There were those ready to stone her. And later on in the chapter, he has a conversation with the Jews. And he says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Paul talks about being set free in Christ at that moment of conversion, that moment of transformation. But he goes on to say we must stay free in Christ. Galatians 1 Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. In his book, The Grace Awakening, Chuck Swindle says, there are killers on the loose today. The problem is you can't tell by looking at them. On the contrary, a lot of them carry Bibles and appear to be clean living, nice looking, law-abiding citizens. Yet they are killers, seeking to take the fun and freedom out of the faith and replace them with a set of petty rules for others to obey. In writing this letter, the Apostle Paul was horrified at the Galatian believers. Their spiritual progress was in reverse gear. They were going backwards from grace to works, from liberty to legalism. The Christian message for them became a Christ plus message. Christ plus rules. Christ plus regulations. Christ plus rituals. But you know, my friends, as Christians, we should be the freest people on the face of this earth. But sadly, it's not always the case. Often we can be legalistic. We can tie ourselves and other people up as we seek to impose our rules on them. You see, legalism prefers the letter of the law to the life of the Spirit. 
Legalism reduces Christianity to a list of do's and don'ts. I'm a Christian, therefore I do this, but I don't do that. Legalism clings to the law rather than to grace. And the law places great emphasis on the externals. The law and legalism say, do this. Grace says, it's been done by Christ. You know, sometimes as Christians we have our own set of rules for how other people should behave. And sometimes without meaning to, we can sometimes impose our standards, our expectations, our preferences on how other people should live their lives. Again, Chuck Swindle says, grace delights in differences, encourages individuality, smiles on variety and allows room for disagreements. In Galatians 5, the previous chapter, Paul talks about those who live by, are led by, and walk in, and keep in step with the Spirit. Spirit-filled, Spirit-led Christians think about other people and how God can use them to minister to others. Today's message, uh, a pastoral message, but hopefully a practical message. Uh, my theme today is helping others to freedom. And in this very practical uh, section, Paul describes two important ministries. He talks about bearing the burdens of others. He talks about being a blessing to others. Let's look at what Paul says about bearing the burdens of others. The legalist isn't interested in bearing the burdens of other people. They're more interested in adding to their burdens. Jesus makes a withering criticism of the Pharisees in Matthew when he says they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. The legalists are often harder on others than they are on themselves. But the spirit-led believer, the believer walking in the spirit, looks for opportunities to help others. And Paul goes on to talk about two types of Christian. The wayward Christian and the weary Christian. Let's look at what he says about helping the wayward Christian. In Galatians 6 verse 1, he says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him or her gently, but watch yourself or you may be tempted. Paul presents here the case of a believer who has fallen into sin. Uh, the sin isn't described because the important thing is the restoration you see, nothing illustrates the dark side of legalism better than the way that people are treated when they have sinned. I mentioned before about the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. The Jews wanted to stone her. That's what the law said. Jesus said, if you're without sin, you can cast the first stone. He says to the woman, go 
and sin no more. Paul says there's a right way to handle a situation when a fellow believer gets entangled in a sin. The ministry of restoration, I believe, is an underutilized and undervalued ministry in our churches. It's not an easy ministry, but it's a valuable ministry. And of course, we should be careful about our motives and about our methods. So who should be involved in this ministry of restoration? Well, not the legalist, not the carnal Christian. They just judge. They just condemn. Paul says, you who are spiritual. The Greek word is pneumatikos, spiritual ones. Not just the pastor, the minister, the elders. Not just a mature believer, but a spiritual person who is filled, led, and walking in the Spirit. So what does it mean to restore a fellow Christian? The word restore is used in the New Testament for when the disciples had finished fishing and were mending their nets. It means to mend. It's also a term used in secular Greek for restoring or setting a dislocated or broken bone. There's a lovely image here of a sinner being like a broken or dislocated bone in the body. And restoration is setting that bone right back in the body. How should the ministry be conducted? Well, in the previous chapter, Paul has described to us the characters of Christ, the fruit, the flavors of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Paul says you should use this ministry in a gentle way. Not to be done arrogantly or with any thought that we are superior to other people, but mindful of our own weaknesses. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians, if you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So that's what Paul has to say about helping the wayward Christian. What does he have to say about helping the weary Christian? Well, first of all, he talks about carrying each other's burdens. Galatians 6, verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. I guess we all have burdens of different shapes and sizes. May come for a while, may come to stay. But we are not meant to be Stoics and carry them on our own. Of course, the Lord is willing to take our burdens. He says, come to me. All you are wearying and burdened, and I will give you rest. The message version of that verse, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Of course, the Lord also bears our burdens through one another. We are his body on this earth. 
And in doing this, we fulfill the law of Christ. This may have been Paul's attempt at humor. The legalists have their laws. He says, well, if you've got your laws, I've got a law to share with you, the law of Christ. The entire law, he says, is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the only law you need to be worried about. What sort of burdens are we talking about? Burdens about family, burdens about health, burdens about finance, burdens about the future. How is it all going to pan out? And I guess we need to be looking for that heavy heart, that bowed head, allow God to use us to share the load, to share the burden. But then he goes on to say that we should carry our own load. You see, there's a difference between a burden and a load. Galatians 6 verse 2, he says, carry each other's burdens. Galatians 6 5, each one should carry his own load. Well, surely there's some sort of contradiction here. Well, no, it becomes clearer when we understand the Greek words for burden and for load. The Greek word for burden is barosh. It refers to excessive burdens, burdens so heavy that they weigh us down and could ultimately crush us. We shouldn't expect to carry this burden, this boulder, by ourselves. We need help in these times of crisis, of trauma, of tragedy in our lives. But in contrast, the Greek word for load is fortian. It refers to a Roman soldier's pack. It represents the daily load, the everyday things that we have to do. These loads are like knapsacks. They are possible to carry. We're expected to carry our own load, to deal with the personal responsibilities that God has given each of us, even though at times it takes an effort. You see, problems arise when people act as if they're, they're boulders, their burdens are just the normal daily loads, and they refuse help. The answer to the question, how are you today, is always the same. That four-letter Christian word, fine. And of course, there are problems when people act as if their daily loads are boulders. Everything is a massive problem. Boulders, burdens that they shouldn't have to carry. We've seen that we have a responsibility to other people, but we also have responsibility for ourselves. Paul goes on to say in Galatians 6.4, check your own actions. Each one should test his own actions, then he or she can take pride in themselves without comparing themselves for anybody else. Comparing ourselves with others can lead to two results. Pride, or discouragement. Sometimes we compare ourselves with others and maybe think, 
I'm coping. Therefore, they should be able to cope. This is a lesson I've struggled with and continue to try and learn in my relationship with Julie. The things that bother her may not bother me. The temptation is for me to think, well, that doesn't bother me. So why should it bother her? The implication seems to be that if we don't bear one another's burdens, it's because we think they should be able to cope. Helping the wayward Christian, helping the weary Christian. Now we come to how we can be a blessing to others. Paul talks about sowing to the spirit, not the flesh. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows. This principle forms part of God's universal law. What we sow, we reap. It's true in the agricultural world, and it's true in the moral world. Farmer wants a harvest, he must sow seed. Sows good seed, it's likely you'll get a good harvest. Bad seed will lead to a bad harvest. Plentiful seed will lead to a, a plentiful harvest. And during this pandemic, we've needed to adapt the way that we care for and support one another. Maybe we haven't been able to visit people as we would have liked. But I want to thank each and every one of you for the part you played in caring for and supporting others during this time. Jesus says in Matthew, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you that person will certainly not lose their reward. Excuse the personal story, but I was out with a couple of friends playing golf last week. As you know, it was a very, very hot week. Uh, no buggies were available, so we trudged around with our trolleys and I felt quite unwell and so our round was uh, truncated and we got back to the clubhouse and I just gladly just collapsed and uh, within a few moments a glass of cold water brimmed to the top with ice was placed in front of me. What a blessing. Just a simple cup of cold water, but I'll never forget that. An act of kindness, seeing somebody in need and just wanting to help. You see, it doesn't necessarily mean that we do something really big in somebody's life. It can be just a cup of cold water. It can be just an email, a WhatsApp, a telephone call in order to encourage someone. Paul says, sow to the spirit, not the flesh. What do you mean by sowing to the flesh? In verse 8 he says, the one who sows to please his or her sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. To sow to the flesh is to pander to the flesh instead of crucifying. The seeds we sow are largely thoughts and deeds. And we can so easily harbor grudges, nurse grievances, and refuse to forgive others. 
Can I just gently ask you this morning, is there someone you need to forgive? Maybe someone who recently, or maybe many years ago, did or said something to you that you still remember. And every now and again you rehearse it, and it's like a tape going round and round in your mind. God wants you to break that tape this morning. He wants you to forgive that person. Paul says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Total forgiveness. How do you know you've forgiven somebody when you can ask for God's blessing upon their lives? Sowing to the Spirit. The man, the one who sows to please the Spirit from Spirit will reap eternal life. What's it mean to sow to the Spirit? To invest our lives in the pursuit of God in going deeper with God. You know, sometimes it's easy if we've been on the road for a while to think, I've arrived. There's nothing anybody can tell me. There's always something fresh to understand about God, his character, his will, and his ways. What's it mean to go deeper with God? To spend time in the spiritual disciplines. There's no easy route. There's no simple, straightforward answer, such as a click of the finger. Spending time in prayer, Bible reading, meditation, memorizing scripture, worship, fasting, and all the other disciplines. Then, finally, Paul talks about sticking to the task. Galatians 6 verse 9, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Christian service is hard work. We always see immediate benefits, and Paul's ministry wasn't without it its discouragements and neither was the ministry of Jesus at times we can all get tired uh, discouraged and disappointed in serving the Lord as someone has said there's a difference between being weary in the work and weary of the work I suppose there are many reasons we we become weary maybe we're relying on our own experience our own ability rather than the Lord and we need that fresh daily filling of the Spirit of God to energize us maybe we're not ministering according to our gifts and abilities we're we're just responding to this need and that need without really knowing what God's purpose is for us according to the gifts that he's given each of us There's a lovely promise in verse 10 that if we reap a harvest, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Someone once said the harvest is at the end of the age, not at the end of the meeting. We won't always see the results of seeds that have been sown. Here was John Wesley's motto. Do all the good you can 
by all the means you can, by all the ways you can, in all the places you can, and at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. You may feel weary even hearing that. That, my friends, is true spiritual greatness. That's what it means to be shaped to serve God. Making ourselves available to others. There are hurting people around us who need support, who need care, who need restoration, who need healing. May God use us to bear the burdens of others and also to be a blessing to others. May God use us to help others to freedom. Amen.